Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Keep preaching Jesus. Don't stop speaking the name of Jesus out loud, because He is our power source, our access code, our secret weapon. It is the name of Jesus that saves us, delivers us, protects us, and heals us. And it is through the name of Jesus our prayers are answered. Proclaim Jesus by faith. As a young Christian teenager, I used to have these horrible demonic nightmares. In the middle of my sleep, I would wake up in my bed, and my bed was in a gigantic stone temple with pillars and uh, steps, and it was gigantic, dark, and cold. And surrounding my little bed would be demons and devils, creatures, monsters, encircling me, enclosing and closer and closer. I could hear their voices as they came through the dark in the night. And I would get so scared, I would tremble. But as a Christian, I knew about the powerful name of Jesus. And in the middle of my sleep, I would yell out, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. I cast you out. Jesus, save me. And my dream would change as the foundation, the threshold would shake from power and the blocks and the stones uh, from the ceiling and the pillars would fall down upon these creatures and demons and smash them and scare them away and the dust would settle and it would be silence, just me in God's presence, safe and alone from these demonic powers. And after I would do such a thing, the nightmares were gone for the longest time until I had gone on missions trip to China to work with the underground church. And I had the day off and I went through uh, Beijing, the uh, forbidden city, and I saw the Buddhist uh, temples and and the prayer wheels and uh, the gods and the statues and the monks. And I was intrigued and I was touching some of the trappings and paraphernalia of such a thing. And then that night, the demonic dreams came back. But this time was different. As I struggled, I knew I just need to speak the name of Jesus. But something was over my mouth. Something had stifled me and shut my mouth and I could not speak the name of Christ. And then finally, I broke loose And I said, in the name of Jesus, I bind you, I cast you out. And then it ended where they all fled and they were uh, smashed once again. And then I woke up and the pastor surrounding my bed said, you had the most violent nightmare and you were struggling and something was holding your mouth. And I said, I don't understand. I've always been able to pray this prayer in my sleep and cast evils away. And they said, Pastor, had you gone through those Buddhist temples? Did you touch anything there? What did you do? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's where I got it. And so I learned to be careful and not play with the devil and his demons. 
Peter and John, our dynamic duo, have just healed the lame beggar. They grabbed him by the hands and they said, in the name of Jesus the Nazarene, rise up and walk, right? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. And a great miracle has happened, and the crowds have gathered to see the spectacle. Prepare for opposition, both political and religious. Let's read it. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And as they, this is our great apostles, Peter and John, were speaking to the people. These are the masses that have gathered to see this miracle healing of the lame man the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them. They're in the temple. There's masses of worshipers. And of course, the priests and the temple guard who keep the peace and the controllers of the temple. This is the sect of the Sadducees. They control the temple. This is their focus there in Jerusalem. The Pharisees are more in control of the various synagogues and Jewish churches throughout the nation. So we have the priests, we have the temple guard, and we have the Sadducees. The Sadducees are quite powerful. They are judges. They help form the uh, Sanhedrin, which is the Supreme Court. And they have their own guards, and yes, they even have jail cells. Can you imagine a religion with guards and jails? Verse 2, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The clergy are upset. We are the teachers in this place, in this temple. And who are you, you disciples of Jesus? And everyone's coming to hear Jesus' disciples. This is concerning. This is disrupting. This is messing things up. And what are they teaching? The resurrection from the dead. But this is against the beliefs and the teachings of the Sadducees. Because they are quite liberal in their theology. They don't believe in the supernatural. They discount angels. They don't believe in a resurrection from the dead. They don't even really believe in an afterlife and miracles and signs and wonders. And now there's been a bona fide healing right in front of them. This is going to mess up everything that they teach and what they believe. Their little world has been shaken. Verse 3, and they laid hands on them, our two apostles, and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. Jewish law required trials during the day, not at night. And so they're trying to follow the law with uh, Peter and John. It wasn't so in the case of Jesus. Remember the nighttime trials, the kangaroo courts, and the false witnesses. But now they're trying to do it by the book. They're trying to stomp this out. I think they felt we destroyed this whole Jesus thing. 
We killed him, but now he's risen. Now his apostles are preaching, and this name of Jesus will not go away. Verse 4, But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. 5,000 converts, 5,000 believers added to the newly formed church. Just beforehand was Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming down with uh, tongues of fire and giftings and speaking in tongues and prophecy. And Peter gets up and preaches and 3,000 are saved and added to the church. And now Peter's second sermon, his second message, the Holy Spirit is going to add 5,000 more. That puts the early church in just days already at 8,000 believers. It has become a megachurch based in Jerusalem, Israel. Verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. It is the power brokers. It's the who's who of Judaism. And they are convening their Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin, with all their powerful religious and political leaders. Because in Judaism, they have merged church and state together with the oversight of the Romans who have invaded and conquered their land and they are the puppet masters over the Jews. We've had a mass revival. Thousands are getting saved. The clergy must stomp this out. This is crazy. These followers of Jesus are now amassing again. We thought we did away with Jesus and his followers and his multitudes. And yet with two powerful leaders, Peter and John, these are two of the three of the inner circle. Peter is the leader of the apostles, the rock, right? And John is Jesus' closest disciple. These are powerful apostles of Jesus Christ. And the starting of the church has begun with over 8,000 converts. We must end this now. And here they are, the powerful high priest, verse 6. And Annas, the high priest, was there. And Caiaphas. Now, we have kind of two high priests at the same time. It's quite confusing. Uh, Annas is recognized by the Jews as the true high priest. But Caiaphas has uh, replaced him and been appointed by the Romans, by Rome. And so we have two priests, the true one and the false one, but they're both powerful and influential, and they must help uh, to stomp out this new found religion called the Way. So Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. Verse 7. 
When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power or in what name have you done this? The clergy want to know the source of their power. In whose authority, what name do you use? How have you been able to uh, work this miracle? I think the clergy have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They look holy, they look religious, they seem powerful in their uh, oversight and their oppression of the people, but they do not have the power of God. Even their temple has been abandoned, I believe, by God himself. Ichabod, the glory, has departed. They are going through uh, the robotics. They're going through the mechanics of being a religion and being holy and serving and sacrificing to God. But God has long moved out of this temple uh, proper. The power brokers want to know where the apostles are getting their power. Have you ever encountered power brokers, opponents that uh, threaten us, that limit us, that control what we do? Maybe you have a power broker in your church, in your family, in your school, in your workplace, or in your government. Those who oppose Jesus, his cross, his Bible, and his church. Be spirit-led. Like Peter, copy his example. Peter will be empowered and led by the Holy Spirit. Remember, the apostles were praying and waiting for power. And now watch their power continue from the healing of the lame man to a second powerful sermon of the apostle Peter. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. Jesus had told his apostles earlier, he instructed them, discipled them, don't worry when you stand before powerful leaders, power brokers, kings, judges. Don't worry about what you are to say because it will be given to you. God himself will give you the words. The Holy Spirit will inspire you and help you to preach, to give your testimony, to give an account, a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. If we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, and they are on trial and the trial is started because of this miracle, because of the lame man being healed in front of everybody. Verse 10, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, this is the name, this is the secret password, this is the source of the power. 
It is Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Isn't this what they said? Was it Acts 3.6? In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And they commanded it, and they grabbed him by the hands and arms, and they raised him up. Who is this Jesus the Nazarene? He's the Messiah, right? He's the Savior. He was the one everyone was following. And you priests and this Sanhedrin, you denied him. You rejected him. You had him crucified to death. But God has intervened whom God raised from the dead. By this name, this man stands here before you in good health. How was he healed? Through the name of Jesus. Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus who was crucified. Jesus who rose from the dead. It is the gospel message. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 11, he is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. Peter is quoting from Psalms 118, verse 22. And in my Bible, they italicize the font so that I can recognize the quotation of the scripture. Jesus is the stone. Jesus is the rock. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And these are the great builders, the priests, the clergy. They are to be building up the people, building a religion, building the kingdom of God, but they have rejected and thrown away the very foundation. They're building on sand. They're building on a false foundation. They're building on Moses. Moses is their hero, where the Messiah is the one who's come to save us. They're building on the scriptures. They think their Old Testament scriptures can save them, but only Jesus can save us. It is the scriptures that speak of him and identify him so we don't miss him, so we will accept him and put our faith in the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. This stone of Christ, he is the chief cornerstone. Now, some old buildings, as you will see, our courthouse has a cornerstone and you will inscribe on it a foundation stone, an inscription. Sometimes you'll put the date it was founded or identifying marks on the chief cornerstone. Uh, many times you'll have an arch and in the arch you have a capstone on the very top that keeps it all together. These stones are pivotal. They are the foundation. In the cornerstone, you will run all your plumb lines, all your directions, and you will set all your boundaries with this stone. I remember when we built our church and uh, the workers all came out and they 
check the markings of the property, the property boundaries and the stakes. And they measured carefully from the property lines. And they told me, Pastor, if we build the church on the wrong spot, you know, and we're partly on the neighbor's land, you're going to have to tear it all down. So when we set the foundation and we start building, we have to do it right from the bottom to the top and get the plumb lines, the markings, uh, the measurements, and put the building according to the plans. Jesus is the foundation. We must build upon him, right? Don't build on sand. Build on the rock of Jesus's teachings by hearing and doing his word. Verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Our key verse, do you get it? This is the key name. This is the key word. There's no other name. There's no other way to be saved. It is the exclusivity of Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is our source. It's the name that saves us. If you will call upon the name of Christ, if you will say, Jesus, save me, Jesus, come into my heart, you shall be saved. There is no other way. There is no other one. Jesus said, the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those that find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are those that take it, right? Everybody says, oh, always lead to heaven, right? All, all these paths, all these religions lead to God. I'm afraid they lead to God on judgment day, on a day of condemnation and a day of rejection. But there's only one way, one bridge, one door, that leads to the pearly gates, to the streets of gold, to heaven. And that is Jesus. Follow the Holy Spirit. Be led by him and let him speak through you. Let him show you his power. He enjoys using us weak vessels to show his great power. It's not our power, right? It's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, right? By my spirit, says the Lord. Depend on the Holy Spirit. Copy Jesus. Follow Christ just like his disciples are following him. We now copy the apostles of Jesus Christ. Verse 13. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, it is the great intellects, it is the scholars and the scribes of Judaism. They are quite learned, 
They're educated, they're credentialed, and they cannot figure out Peter and John. How can these guys have such a confidence, such power? They're so eloquent and articulate and they're so moving and they're so steadfast in their beliefs. And yet they're not trained. They didn't go to Bible college or seminary. They didn't go to rabbi school. Uh, they don't have, they're not licensed and degreed and credentialed. In fact, they're the opposite. They're just a simple fisherman, right? Uneducated and untrained by men. But can I tell you the secret of their training? Their education. And their training came from the greatest teacher of all. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.